Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do cover the Green Bay Packers and we don't cover anything else. Let's go. All right, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. It is Wednesday, June 28th, and today, you better believe you know what we are doing. We are deep diving into four Packers players who need to bounce back in 2023. They, you know, either had poor seasons or didn't live up to their standards or whatever, and we're looking at them as people who are going to need to bounce back if we want the Packers to be a successful football team in 2023, and we all know that we want the Packers to be successful in 2023. Before jumping into that, we have a little bit of news to go. Oh, wait, sorry. There is no news. We are under a month away from training camp, but no news to discuss as of right now. So we'll jump right in to players who need to bounce back. First, a quick caveat. I'm not counting injured players, right? So Bakhtiari, Elton, they were both coming back from injuries, both ACL injuries for them. And I don't know, I mean, what what do they have to come back from? They have to come back from their injuries? Like, they were injured. That doesn't count. There's nothing valuable for me to say about them, because if I were to include them in this list, I could say, yeah, they were injured. They have to get healthier. I mean, there's no point in including injured players. Rashawn Gary, another example, he was injured in week nine after being probably the best Packers defender through the first half, so... Not sure what he has to come back from other than his ACL. And then Eric Stokes, he wasn't playing great, uh, but he also got injured in week nine. So it's it's hard to say that he has to bounce back because he didn't get the back half of last year to, to prove that he could bounce back from his poor first half. And then lastly, quick, another sort of caveat, I'm not going to include any rookies in this list because there's nothing there they have to bounce back to, right? Their rookie season, that's their baseline now. And I don't know what they have to, you know, bounce back to. There's their, their baseline is their baseline. So that sort of takes out a couple of players, takes out, right? Watson, Dobbs, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker, Bakhtiari, Elton, Rashawn, Stokes. But we still have a couple to dive into. The first one is Josh Myers. Josh Myers. Man, when you look at the Packers offensive line, you have David Bakhtiari. Elton Jenkins, Zach Tom, Josh Nyman, John Runyon Jr., they were all either good or coming back from injuries or both. Basically, all of them were both. Or, sorry, not all of them. Basically, all of them were good, and Bach and Elton were basically both, right? Even Runyon, who I would say of that group that I just mentioned, probably performed the worst. He maintains a decent level of play. He wasn't great. He wasn't great by really any stretch of the imagination, wasn't even necessarily a guy that you would love to sign to a contract extension, but he was decent. Josh Myers, however, not so much. He was definitely the Packers' biggest weak link uh, along the offensive line. He was extremely inconsistent last year. And let's be clear here. Josh Myers has has the talent, the pure talent to be a top center in the NFL. When you look at a lot of the things he does, he shows flashes, right? You look at his drive. Sometimes when everything in Myers' form is correct, he gets a good sort of jump off the snap. He will plow, plow opposing defensive linemen, and that comes from his elite power, right? He has that great, great height. He's 6'6", six, six, I believe. He's really tall. He has good, strong weight, and with that, 
you can see the power he just drives offensive linemen backwards and those flashes make his potential as a run blocker extremely exciting in addition you see some really promising things in his ability and agility you know two little rhyming words there ability and agility in space he's absolutely gross i if you go right now you look josh myers into twitter you will find videos i guarantee you'll find videos of josh myers pulling out some sort of play where the Packers run outside and he is that pulling center. They get him outside on the edge. And guess what? The result is a devastating hit for whichever defender tries to get in his way because of that freakish athleticism and dominant power that he has. He is so, so good at getting quickly to the outside and then laying powerful blocks to the opposing team. And that makes him super exciting. But there's more than that. You even see flashes of him using his hips well. You see him using his hips well in zone blocking at times, even more finesse blocking, whether it's pass pro or run blocking. However, there are just too many mistakes. So often, you'll see Josh Myers miss a simple thing or mess up one of his blocks, and that guy gets to the quarterback. I can't tell you how many times last year we saw him get fooled by stunts. That was something I wasn't too worried about coming out of college. You saw him pick up stunts a couple of times. Well, he got fooled by them last year. Sometimes he'll miss assignments. He won't communicate well. He won't know who to get. A guy slips right past him, struggles to protect the QB that way, right? Maybe it's the snapping that gets into his head because sometimes he's a half second slow off of the line. And then instead of that, you know, best case scenario that I described where he's up there and he's driving a nose tackle backwards, he's the one getting driven backwards by the nose tackle, and that should not be happening. And it's those kind of things that Josh Myers needs to clean up. And if he does, that would be super exciting. Because even, let's, let's, let's say he just get back to rookie-level consistency, where we'd have a much more consistent center, a guy that's probably getting beat less often, a guy that's definitely getting beat less often, a guy that's not messing up as often, but then you also have that prime athletic talent, the ability for him to pull out, get into space, and dominate defenders, which is an absolute staple of some of the Packers' pitches and tosses, right? Pull Myers out from the center spot, get him on the edge, and get him mauling people. So we just need some of that; those inconsistencies cleaned up. The things that I mentioned, the failing to identify stunts, the, you know, being a half second slow, getting driven backwards. We need that to get cleaned up because if it does, Josh Myers could be such an asset to this football team. Another guy, Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark has played a lot, a lot, a lot of snaps, and yet he's still not very old. In fact, he's just two years older than Devontae Wyatt, Quinn Williams, and Dexter Lawrence, all of whom are, you know, pretty young players in the NFL. However, there is certainly a good amount of wear and tear on Kenny Clark's body because of how young he got into the league and how much he's played since then because of how good he is. And last year, you sort of saw some of that wear and tear wear off. From week 7 through 13, Kenny was not the same guy. He was not getting the drive in the running game that you're used to him getting. He was not getting the penetration from a pass rush or a run defense standpoint that you're used to him getting, and overall he did not look as spry and as quick as he normally does. Now, that being said, Kenny Clark is a top defensive tackle in the league. He was at that level for the early portion of 2023, and, and I would argue he got back there in the later portion. But his very poor middle stretch left some doubts. And personally, I'm not super concerned, right? I'm not like, oh my God, Kenny Clark 
is bad now. We have to fill the hole. But it's it's something to watch for. And what's interesting is Kenny in the past, and I think this is no exception this year, is not as productive when he's forced to be Green Bay's nose tackle. Because as the nose tackle, his job is to line up, head over the center, and just eat blocks. Just get your face shoved with a center and a guard, get double teams and eat it up so that other guys have opportunities. And I would guess that that wore him down. And that's why we saw from week seven through 13, him struggling so much because his body couldn't deal with the wear of having to just stand up and eat blots and get pounded every single play. He's much better when he, you know, doesn't get hit quite as much because maybe he's in the gap. He's in a center guard gap and he's wreaking havoc that way against the run, creating penetration there. Against the pass, he's finding a favorable matchup and he's allowed to exploit it with his quickness and great hand usage. If he doesn't have to play as much nose tackle, maybe gets a little bit more of that pure defensive tackle role, I would hope and I would think we're going to see a much more quick spry Kenny than we saw in weeks 7 through 13. Joe's hopefully not going to stick him at nose every freaking play, and that's going to make a massive difference. Kenny's going to come back into the season healthy, and he's going to stay healthy. And that's super exciting because Kenny Clark, the best Kenny Clark is probably one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. So super excited about that. I think he will bounce back. Of all the people I'm saying are going to bounce back, it's going to be Kenny Clark because Kenny's a freaking stud. I'm not sure he's ever been an All-Pro, but he should have been an All-Pro multiple times. He's so good. So, Kenny Clark, excited for him. Number three, Rasul Douglas. Yes, sir. Nook, look, look. Rasul Douglas was not the best, most shut down corner ever, even in 2021, the season after which the Packers re-signed him to a decent, you know, 21 million three-year deal. But in 2022, things got even worse. And there were a couple reasons for that. The first one, I'm just going to get this out of the way. Joe Barry initially forced Rasul Douglas to play in the slot. That was stupid. In that slot, Rasul got burnt because guess what? Joe Barry put a heftier, more strength-based cornerback in the slot against shifty, super agile slot receivers. How do you think that's going to go? Unsurprisingly, it didn't go well. So, you know, that hurt Rasul and Joe after, you know, too long, decided, okay, we'll move Rasul outside. And that automatically cleaned up some issues. I assume that Rasul getting to play outside all of camp this year will help cleaning up some of those issues. But then we look at another issue, the getting burnt. And that's about as eloquent as a description of it as you're going to get. There were far too many plays where it wasn't the bad communication or poor zone coverage from someone else that screwed Rasul Douglas over. It was just him getting beat against Stefan Diggs. For example, Stephon Diggs ran a stop-and-go, and Rasul bit far too hard on the stop part of Diggs' stop-and-go, and then simply got beat on the go part, on the over-the-top part. Rasul Douglas, he's an extremely intelligent and instinctual player. It showed up on that route where Stephon Diggs beat him because he bit hard on that one part of the route, on the stop part. And if Josh Allen had, for some reason, been throwing a curl to Stephon Diggs, probably would have been a pick for Rasul. But... He was wrong, bit incorrectly, and had to live to pay the price. He watches a huge amount of film, so I'm not concerned about him, you know, screwing up that too much. And it showed up a lot in 2021 how successful that film study can be because you saw in back-to-back games last year, not last year, 2021, you saw in back-to-back games him have pick sixes against Matthew Stafford and Justin Fields. So honestly, I'm okay with him giving up a couple of touchdowns to elite receivers like Diggs. But then... I want more of the pick sixes. 
and Rasul Douglas didn't have any of those in 2022, barely had any picks. And so basically, simply put, I want Rasul Douglas to get back to the interceptions. There was a play against the Titans where he dropped back beautifully. They ran a play-action pass. Rasul Douglas read it all the way, knew exactly what was going on, stepped back there, read the pass beautifully, play-action all the way, knew what was coming, took the ball, INT, right? That's a great play, and that's what I want from Rasul next year. I want... Sure. You know what? Rasul, great. Good for you. Work on shutting down the elite receivers too. That's great. But I want more of those splash impact plays from Rasul. And I think it's possible, man, because Rasul Douglas showed it in 2021. And I think it's possible we get it again. I'm super excited for that. Rasul Douglas, one of the smarter football players out there. Can't wait for him. And then number four, the last guy, Darnell Savage, the legend of Darnell Savage. It looked like he was on the rise, right? Promising 2019 rookie season. Good in 2020 with Mike Pettin as the DC. And then 2021 came. And guess what? That was not such a good season. It certainly was an example of development not always being linear. It probably was an example of the derivative of development uh, with respect to time not even being positive. But you thought, okay, he regressed a little bit. Let's see him come back, be good in 2022. Yeah. That did not happen. He was not good at all in 2022. And some of it, some of that can be put on Joe Barry, right? Joe Barry definitely did not use Savage as he should have early on. He put him in a lot of heavy zone responsibilities where it was Savage's job to read the ball, read the quarterback, and cover receivers deep and over the top from depth. And that's not Savage's skill set. You saw it many times. He got absolutely toasted in Buffalo a couple of times. Savage is not that kind of safety. He's not that roaming Earl Thomas type of safety. When Joe Barry moved Savage into more of a slot role, Savage played slightly better. He definitely had more confidence. You could see it. But there remained plenty of issues. One of the biggest was tackling. And I'm going to put it this way when it comes to Darnell Savage's tackling. Darnell Savage should visit more Vancouver Canadiens games because he would absolutely excel at the chicken dance with all of the practice that he gets chicken wing his tackles. I mean, that little thing in the chicken dance, where you little, you know, twirl around and do the chicken wings. Darnell Savage is ridiculously good at those chicken wings, and he's ridiculously bad at tackling with proper form, and it shows throughout his film. If he were to, if Darnell Savage were to solely clean up his tackling, figure out a way of getting his body in front of the person he's trying to tackle and burying them into the ground, he would look so much better. In addition to this tackling aspect, he just lacks something mental. He's a great athlete. He has the physical tools to keep up and cover the best athletes on the football field. But for some reason, he struggles, perhaps with confidence, perhaps with something else. And something that just constantly leaves him behind a step or two. I don't know what what it is, but whether it's zone or man coverage, he is always just a step behind the person he's supposed to be covering or two steps behind that person. And cleaning that up would make him so much more reliable as a fa- as a pass defender because you could think, "All right, Darnell, we know we can trust you to go out here and guard this tight end and you're actually going to guard them." And so if Darnell Savage, he needs to bounce back, there's two things he can do. He can clean up his tackling and he can clean up something whatever it is. I actually don't know what it is. That's having him struggle so much when covering and cleaning that up would make him so much more reliable as a pass defender, make him better as a run defender, and it would leave the Packers safety position in a much better spot. So that's pretty much what I have. In summary, when it comes to Josh Myers, we need to get some more consistency. And if we get just a little bit more consistency, get excited, 
because there really will be no true weak spot on the Packers' offensive line. We also need from Kenny Clark to get a return to previous levels of play. That would be huge for the Packers' defensive line. We need more interceptions and big-time plays from Asul Douglas, like we saw in 2021. That will be huge for Green Bay. It will help them win the turnover battle, which has been a massive indicator of success for them in the past. And then finally, having Darnell Savage clean up just a little bit of his tackling and a little bit of his coverage, that will lead him to be someone that they can trust at least a bit. And that will go a long way towards helping their very deep, but not exactly uber-talented, safety group. And that's what I have for you. I will be back on Sunday. That's what I have. As always, thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. And until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!